a revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or SET to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo SET as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we're talking to Sarah Merrill. You may know her from her Instagram account, Big Problems. Sarah grew her audience of over a half million Instagram followers by bringing humor and relatable content to everyday struggles. And recently, Sarah has Bottle Service. It's a new kind of pregnancy and motherhood podcast. And on that, she talks all about her journey into parenthood and postpartum. So Sarah comes onto today's podcast and also recounts a lot about her own experience into parenthood. She's super open about talking about her own birth trauma and the importance of birth trauma awareness. She talks about the mental load of motherhood and her own ways of getting through that. And she also talks about the pressure that many people feel about that. And I'm going to put this in quotes that bounce back after childbirth. And she's very open about her own postpartum experience. I like somebody that can come on, use their platform to pull back the curtain of postpartum and parenthood, because I feel like sometimes it's very packaged as this happy, shiny thing that we're all supposed to enjoy, but there can be a lot of struggle. And I like that Sarah is just so open in her experience. And I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation and relate to what she has gone through and what she continues to go through. Now, before we jump into my conversation with Sarah, I just want to continue to share what's happening at Prenatal Yoga Center. So we continue to grow our online presence and our in-studio presence. Now, it's been super fun as I've had people on Instagram or just email out saying, I can't get your classes on the Upper West Side because I don't even live anywhere near New York, so what can I do? And I remind them that we've got online prenatal classes every single day, re-releases and on-demand classes so you can take it on your own time. We also have all these amazing workshops in-studio, breastfeeding, lactation prep, newborn care, childbirth education, but we also have an on-demand library. So again, I recognize that everyone now can connect somehow online. So please take advantage of our on-demand library and our online workshops. And then the last thing I just want to bring up is our teacher training. We have a very 
in-depth, thorough prenatal teacher training that we do three times a year online and once a year in person. So if you have a passion for supporting people through this perinatal experience and you're a yoga teacher and you want to have the skills to support that passion, check out our teacher training on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. And again, just a big thanks to everyone that's part of our community. As I've been saying these last few podcasts, we just celebrated our 21st birthday. I can't believe that PYC, Prenatal Yoga Center, is 21 years old, but we are. So thanks for the community for who have supported us from the beginning to continue to show up and be part of our community. Thank you. Okay, we're going to take a super quick break. and we come back, please enjoy my really fun conversation with Sarah. A revolutionary baby monitor is born. I want to introduce you to a brand new baby monitor, Massimo Stork. Massimo Stork Baby Monitor tracks health indicators so you can get to know your baby better. Track your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and skin temperature with the high-resolution video and clear two-way audio from the Stork app. While Massimo Stork Baby Monitor is new, Massimo Signal Extraction Technology, or set to be exact, has been trusted in hospitals for over 25 years. In fact, 9 out of 10 top U.S. hospitals, as ranked in the 2022-2023 U.S. News & World Report, uses Massimo Set as their primary pulse oximetry technology. Now, this technology is available for families at home, empowering confident parenting. Go to Massimo Stork to learn more. Please remember, Mosmo Stork is not meant to be used as a medical device. Hi, Sarah. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. It's really nice to meet you. Um, I did a little bit of a deep dive into all your social media and listening to your podcast, and I feel like I know you already, so it's going to be fun to actually chat with you. Oh my gosh. So fun. I'm sorry in advance for anything you saw on my social media. (laughs) (laughs) No worries. So, all right. So I took, as I mentioned, I took a deep dive, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about yourself. Yes. Okay. So for anybody who doesn't know me, um, I run an account on Instagram called big kid problems, which is just funny. It's like a, you know, kind of making jokes about like our everyday lives. Um, I started it in college. So like the idea of kind of moving into the adult world was like the genesis of the account. And like, I, it's been with me for many stages of life from graduating college to like switching careers to dating in New York to, you know, finding my husband, getting married, and now most recently having a baby. So, um, I've been running it for a long time and it's been a lot of fun. And then, um, this most recent transition was probably the biggest life transition I think ever. (laughs) I think that anybody can really go through, um, is, uh, is the process of becoming a mom. And, um, so through that, I actually started a separate channel called bottle service with big kid problems, which is a podcast. And, um, I now have that podcast that followed me through all 40 weeks of pregnancy. And now I'm in a postpartum season. So that's kind of the spiel. Um, but yeah, I'm a first time mom. I have a now, now a one-year-old, which is crazy. I feel like the last year went by so fast. Um, but I've just, you know, I'm, I'm into all things pregnancy and new motherhood and have like now this amazing community with bottle service and, you know, love chatting with new moms and kind of seeing where everyone's at because it's, it's, it is truly like the most wild life transition that I've definitely had to date. And I think 
that might ever happen. I don't know. <laughs> it is. It's, it is a huge transition that I feel like no matter how much you prepare and the podcasts you listen to and the books you read and the classes you take, and, and it's individual for everyone. Like even though there's that common denominator of turning that corner to parenthood, it's still different for everyone and it's huge. So I'm excited to chat with you a little bit more about this. So let me dig into some of my questions. Um, so one thing I know that you are, as you mentioned with your, with your social media and your podcast, you're extremely open. So I appreciate, <laughs> and you said you're in the postpartum kind of period for your podcast. So first of all, thank you for talking so openly about postpartum. So I'd love to ask about how did your idea or vision of postpartum differ from what your reality of postpartum is? Uh, I mean, I, I, you know, to think back, I think I had just this entire different notion. Really, I think my biggest surprise was in pregnancy. Like I thought pregnancy was going to be this like beautiful, like me running through meadows and like a flowy dress and like baking (laughs) bread. Like I thought that was going to be beautiful. I think I was actually really scared for postpartum because of things that I had seen on the internet. And it sounded, Mm -hmm. it sounded really bad. (laughs) It sounded like, you know, you didn't get any sleep and you know, your nipples were leaking and you were bleeding everywhere and it just sounded really rough. Um, in some ways I think, uh, yeah, of course, like that's, that's true. But I think I was almost surprised in a positive way of how much I didn't care as much as I thought I would about all those things. Like I was just Mm. so obsessed and in love in a way that I had never, thought possible with my Mm. new baby. Um, so a lot of that, you know, didn't, 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 um, you know, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be in some ways. (laughs) And then in other ways, um, other things that came up in postpartum for me that were kind of surprising. Like I, I had a little bit of, um, PTSD come through from birth, which I was not expecting. Um, my recovery, I think was a lot, different than I was expecting. I I ended up having a a C-section and I was surprised at how long it took to heal from that, um, mentally, emotionally, and physically. And then just, I think the other biggest surprise was just like the whole like bounce back aspect of, you know, coming back from a baby. I think I had really false expectations of what to expect with that. And it took, can you talk about that a little bit about kind of like what pressures you might've felt or what that meant to you kind of bounce back? Totally. I mean, I, I, I think came into postpartum with what I thought was grace for myself. I was like, I'm going to give myself six weeks and not even think about bouncing back. Like I'm just going to focus on healing and being with my baby and I'm not even going to worry about it. Yeah, that's great. But like in hindsight, I wish I gave myself a lot longer of a grace period because six weeks is not enough. Mm -hmm. Um, I, for some reason thought that after that six week period that, you know, I would jump right back into working out, eating well, and the weight would just kind of come off. Like I thought I, I had always been like a pretty active person. Like I'm, I love working out. I'm like one of those weirdos who like actually enjoys going to the gym. Um, like mostly for like my mental health state, but I, mm-hmm. I love working out and, um, I've always kind of been like the same weight my whole adult life. Like I'm not like somebody who yo-yos one way or the other. So I kind of thought like my body would just go back to like its standard like our standard procedure and get Uh right back to it. And that wasn't the case. It ended up taking like months and months for one pound to come off. 
despite doing everything that I, you know, thought was what I was supposed to do, you know, eating really clean, working out, um, doing all the things. And it just, it, it took a lot longer than I, than I expected. How'd that feel? Because you were always kind of one certain weight. Was that emotionally hard for you? For sure. And it was frustrating. I mean, I'd say like frustrating would be like the number one thing. Cause I was like, ah, I like, I just, I don't understand why this isn't working. And it was a little disheartening, you know, like I was trying so hard and I just wasn't where I thought I was, I want, I was going to be at that time. And I was like, Mm -hmm. am I ever going to get back to my, you know, body or am I ever going to feel comfortable in this body? Um, so it was like, it started to ping at my like anxiety a little bit too. Cause it, there was some real fear around like, will I ever feel good again? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it was, it was a challenge for sure. And then I also know that you had some breastfeeding difficulties. Do you want to open up about that? Oh my God. Yeah. I could talk about that all day. Um, breastfeeding was one of those things that I, I would say, oh, when we were talking about surprises and postpartum, I should have mentioned this. Um, that was shocking to me. Uh, I, I mean, I came into, um, motherhood with kind of like, I guess I I had an idea that I, I had some family history of people having trouble in my family breastfeeding. So I knew that that might be the case. And I, you know, when I was pregnant, I, I actually stocked up on formula in my third trimester. I'm like, just in case it doesn't work out, I want to make sure I have formula available. Like I, I came into it with like a very open mind. Like, yes, I want to try breastfeeding. I know it's like the thing to do, but if I can't do it, I'm, I'm going to give myself grace. I'm going to have some options available. When I was handed that baby in the hospital, like that whole plan kind of fell apart because I looked at him and I was like, this is the most like perfect creature that I've ever held in my hands. He's fresh out of the womb. And I want to, I want to do everything I can to give him like the perfect experience. Like I want to like make sure I'm nourishing him in the best way possible with like, you know, the best source of food possible, which is from my body. And I, I kind of changed from that whole notion of like, I'm going to try to do this to I have to do this. And I think there was a couple factors at play. I mean, I, I mentioned I had some family history of, of women in my family having trouble breastfeeding. I also, I had some complications at the last, in my third trimester, and I had to schedule a C-section, um, which, so I never went into labor, which I, I think may have, uh, you know, played a role that my like milk production kind of like never snapped on. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I didn't go into labor. I didn't, you know, birth my baby. Um, so I think my, my milk just didn't kind of like that, that whole thing just didn't turn on. It wasn't like, okay, we're, we're good to go. And we went into the hospital. Um, when I first, the first, you know, that first day the nurses come in, they're like, okay, we're going to try breastfeeding. Um, we tried everything. We tried, you know, different holds. We did everything. It seemed like my, my baby was doing everything right. And I just wasn't producing anything. Um, and that was hard. And I think I got a couple weird pieces of, of confusing and conflicting information in the hospital. Like I had one nurse tell me to just leave him on the boob as long as he would stay there. So, you know, she came into the room and told us that and walked away. I kept that baby on my boob for 45 minutes. She came back in. She's like, why is he still on there? I'm like, you, you told me to you told keep me him to. on. She's like, oh no, that's way too long. And sure enough, she pulled it off and my nipple was completely raw. <sighs> so painful. And from that point on, it was really painful 
to feed after that. So Mm -hmm. then every, every feed became super, super painful. Still no milk was coming out. I met with every lactation consultant in the hospital. I ended up, um, taking a, uh, hospital grade pump home with me. Cause they're like, well, you, you know, you're nothing's coming out yet, but so we're going to try pumping. So when I got home, you know, there was a couple days of me being in like this complete bliss bubble with my baby. And then when it came time to feeds, I would fall apart. Like I, I even just a couple minutes before when I knew it was coming, I would just start to cry. <laughs> you know, I would just like, completely just start to panic and be like, Oh, that I know that this pain is going to happen again. And I don't know if any, there was just a lot of anxiety around it. Is the milk even going to come this time? And so I was pumping for a couple of days, still really not getting anything, maybe getting like a half ounce of milk, um, for my baby. So we were like supplementing with formula this whole time. And, and, um, eventually, you know, a couple of days after coming home from the hospital, I woke up and had this red rash all over my chest sent some pictures, um, to my doula and she's like, you need to call your doctor. It looks like you have uh, mastitis. So sure enough, I did that. I had to, you know, then get, um, antibiotics for mastitis. And then I was kind of faced with a decision, you know, am I going to take these medic, this medication and pump the whole time because, you know, it is transferred through breast milk. So I don't really want to give it to my, my baby. So I'm going to have to pump for 10 days and take, you know, and not even give the milk to him, or I could just stop breastfeeding. And, um, luckily I had my mother-in-law surprisingly was, uh, was very supportive of me. And she's like, why are you torturing yourself. She's like, I never breastfed Brandon, my husband. She's like, look at this guy. He's, you know, healthy as can be. And he is, he's like a big, you know, big, strong guy. So I'm like, you know, Brandon was never breastfed. I I feel like I could, I, you know, it's not the end of the world if I don't um, breastfeed my son. And, um, I stopped and it was, you know, surprising, like the weeding process, you know, took, a, a couple of days, it, it, uh, my milk supply never really came in. So it was probably a little shorter for me than for most. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was hard. I, I mean, I would say when I finally made that decision to just stop breastfeeding, um, in my gut, like I had like a feeling of relief, but I also had a lot of feelings of like guilt and that I had failed and, you know, that I was weak. I'm like, you know, I I have other friends who have had trouble breastfeeding and they pushed through, like, why can't I do this? And, you know, some, there was some comparison there and feeling just bad. And then, you know, um, once my milk finally dried up, I remember there was like that day happened where, you know, I could feel that it was dried up. The pain had really subsided and I had a moment of, ah, it's over followed by the next moment of being like, oh my God, it's over. Like I, you know, I can't reverse this decision. Mm -hmm. And that was followed by a breakdown. (laughs) And, and all that to say, you know, I was, it was, it was a hard decision. It was tough to make. And then after a few days when I was feeling better and, you know, my husband, my baby was taking his formula and feeling good and we were all much better. Like it felt a lot better and I felt Mm -hmm. a lot better about it. Um, but it was a process to get there for sure. And I really appreciate you being so open about it because so many people have breastfeeding struggles. And and to combat that, your hormones are just so fluctuating up and down at that time. So that kind of adds to the emotional state. So thank you. Totally. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. You know what? You know what also, um, yeah. just for anybody else who is who maybe went through this or is going through this 
one of the weirdest things I would say is, you know, after we made that decision and we got through a couple of days and we're feeling good, I was feeling good about my decision, but then I would be out in the world and I would, st- I just noticed there was like society was like, would judge me at certain points. Like random strangers would make comments to me like, Oh, you're bottle feeding your baby. He looks really young. Like people would just like, like random strangers would say like things like that to me. And it was really hurtful. And so like, I always say that. Cause I'm like, I think even I had like another mom friend make a comment to me and I'm like, I know her intention wasn't mean, but I always just like to bring that up because I think some of us don't. You never know the story behind. Like that's the whole thing is for, I had a lactation consultant I I have worked with and I can't remember exactly what she said, but she said like there are many, for many people, and this is not a choice of everyone because some people are like never on the breast, always bottle. But she said for a lot of the folks that she's met that there were, if they, if they could not, for whatever reason, breastfeed, she's like, there's a lot of tears behind that bottle of formula for many people. So it yeah. is not for anyone else to make a comment because they don't know what your story was that got you to that point. And again, some people, for whatever reason, they were like, yep, never on the breast, always the bottle. And of course, respect that. But in your case, and like so many, it was a big turning point and not one that sounded like like many people wanted to make. It was more about the sanity for you and your baby because can you imagine just keep, if you were literally breaking into tears at the idea of breastfeeding your baby, that was not going to be sustainable. Right. So I'm speaking up that I'm sorry that people said that to you. And I hope those out there, if that was said to you, that you realize it was, it, it's awful. And I'm so sorry. I'm sorry that that happened to you. All good. All, I'm okay now. It's like, oh, in the you hindsight. Know, but it's still you know? horrible. It's still yeah. horrible. But who are we to comment on anyone else's choices that get them there? Totally. So speaking of kind of the mental, the mental part of parenthood, how has the mental load of motherhood been for you? Oh man. Um, a surprise, definitely a surprise. Um, it's one of those things. It, it's so interesting because like my husband, my husband and I, we really like approach parenting as like a 50, 50 thing. Like we, you know, he's so involved. He's like a great, great dad, but I can just tell, like, I carry this mental load that he doesn't, you know, like there's so many things. And and I was trying to explain this to him actually kind of recently. I did, I did an episode on this and I was like, you might want to listen to this one, um, of just all the like unseen things that moms do that, contribute to this mental load. Like, um, uh, an example, we were talking about breastfeeding, you know, picking the formula. That was something that I researched and, you know, went to blogs, went to other moms, talked to people, like it, it did a lot to research like the best formula, um, option for me mm-hmm. to choose that. Um, you know, our pediatrician picking our pediatrician, picking what diapers we were going to use. These are all things my husband's like, yeah, whatever you want to do, do. And and I'm like, thank you. I think he thought that was really helpful, just him being agreeable to whatever I wanted to do. But I was like, I also don't want to be the only person calling the shots around here because it's a lot. It's a lot of work. And um, also then you also have the like anxiety of like, is that the right decision when you're the Mm -hmm. one making those decisions? So I think like the mental load is a lot of stuff that's just goes unseen. And like, even, even just like certain chores that I think people don't look at as work that are work. 
like I'm always the one I have, the, I have the bag, right. I have the, the diaper bag or I just, you know, use my purse basically. Um, I'm the one who, whenever we take the baby out, like I have to make sure I have the diaper, the wipes, the pacifier. It. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And it's just like one of those things. I'm like, my husband doesn't even think twice. He's just like, Oh, do you have a bib? And I'm like, no. He's like, you forgot the bib. I'm like, you didn't even do anything. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, not only do I have, I have the bib, I've got the pacifier, I've got the backup bib, I've got the backup outfit. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot that you have to think about. Okay. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I'd love to hear how you have worked with your anxiety and managed stress in kind of the everyday life of being a mom, but we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown with three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown. You get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at Wilmington and beaches we're back. So I can speak for myself that being a mom is stressful. <laughs> There's so many parts of it that I find stressful. And I think many people can relate. So what have you personally found helpful to reduce your anxiety and manage your stress in just everyday life as a mom? Yes. I mean, there's, there's so many, I feel like tools that I've just accrued in my little, my little mental health toolbox over the years and, um, have really leaned heavily on them, you know, after becoming a mom. Um, some of the biggest things are just, uh, taking walks. Like it's, Mm. it sounds so simple, but it's one of those things that I think like getting, it kind of covers your bases of like getting outside, getting some fresh air, seeing sunlight, getting a little bit of physical activity. It's something you can do with your baby. Um, for me, especially in those early days, like I, there would be multiple days in a row that I wouldn't leave my house. Like I Mm. just didn't leave my house. I'm with a newborn and we weren't going, we weren't going anywhere. (laughs) So even just like when I started to really make it a priority to, um, leave the house every day, even if it was just for like a quick 20 minute walk that helped so much. Um, I kept a gratitude journal, you know, making like three things from that specific day that I was grateful for. Um, I made sure to like eat well and drink water and hydrate my body. Like these are things that we all know to do, but especially in the postpartum period, we sometimes forget like mm-hmm. there'd be, you know, there'd be days, there'd be days that I wouldn't, you know, give myself much self-care. Like I, I remember one day I, I realized I hadn't showered in like two full days and I'm like, you know, we gotta, we gotta prioritize getting in that shower or taking a bath or, you know, leaving the house to get my nails done, whatever it is, just like a little bit of self-care here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, also getting support, you know, making sure 
making sure that I had breaks, um, that I had people I trusted, you know, my husband, I, I will credit my husband with this one. And we, we both work from home, which is really nice to have him there, but I could be like, you know, I'm going to go to this, um, bar class. I need you to watch him for an hour. And he would, you know, oblige. Um, that was huge. When, when I started getting, um, help, like I, we would have my mother-in-law come over and she would watch him for a couple hours so I could leave the house. Like these are all little things that really help, you know, and mm-hmm. once, once they all come together and, um, helps just ease some of the pressure off of those early, early days. Yeah. I found that ex- any support is helpful. You know, mm-hmm. well, sometimes I found some of the support a little nagging, but most of the time, <laughs> <laughs> I won't name names. Um, yeah. but- but and opinionated, but <laughs> anytime, totally. anytime that you can just come back to yourself. Cause I found that I felt like I lost my identity a little mm-hmm. bit that I was suddenly just, and then everybody, I felt like I'd go out into the world and people would just call me mom or mommy. Like if they were talking like the, the doctor would be like, mommy, I'm like, use my name. So I already <laughs> felt like I was losing my identity in a, in a little bit. And so anytime that I could have some space just to kind of come back to myself, it helped me handle my my anxiety about this new role as a parent. So thank you for sharing your thoughts. Okay, now I want to circle back to something you had said earlier about pregnancy. You had mm-hmm. thought that you'd be running through the fields in the flowy white gowns and (laughs) will you open up a little bit about what that was about? Oh yeah. Um, I just, I mean, I, my whole life, I had always wondered what it would be like to be pregnant. It looked so fun to be honest. Like I always, I'm one of those who I would, I see a pregnant woman with like her belly and I'm like, that is the cutest thing I've ever seen in my life. I think it looks adorable. I mean, you get to eat, you know, whatever foods you want. It looks like people are really nice to you. They give up your seat. They give up their seat for you on the subway. You know, like that was just like, this looks like a very nice, peaceful, you know, lovely time. And you're growing a human. Like that's got to be beautiful. And um, for me, pretty early on, that whole visual kind of went to shit. Cause I, I just did not feel good. I, I felt really sick, um, pretty early on. I, my energy was completely zapped, um, which I was, I didn't, I didn't anticipate that, you know, I had heard about like morning sickness. I didn't realize I would be out all day. You know, I'd be sitting on the couch from the time I woke up to the time I would be going to bed, just miserable. You know, the only time leaving the couch would be go to sit on the bathroom floor for a couple hours. Um, so it wasn't like this beautiful, happy experience that I w- I was hoping for, we should say. And, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, I just, and it kind of continued. I, I mean, I know people always say like, yeah, the first trimester is hard, but then once you get through that, the second and third are a lot easier. And, um, for me in the second trimester, another thing that really shocked me is I started feeling like super depressed, like not even mm. just uncomfortable or sick, but like just deeply, deeply sad and like in a dark place. And I was like, what is, what is this about? And I um, started doing some research and I heard about perinatal depression or prenatal Mm -hmm. depression, which is like the sister to postpartum depression. I think Mm -hmm. all of us have heard of postpartum depression. That was something I, you know, knew about. I didn't know that I would have those exact same symptoms in pregnancy. So that was a surprise. 
Um, yeah, it just, and I, and I kind of felt low like that. Like I kind of felt in that hole, like I was in that hole for pretty much the entire pregnancy up into the day that I gave birth. And then what's really weird is the day I gave birth, um, I remember holding my baby and feeling like there was a 60 pound weight lifted off my shoulders and it was gone. Oh, amazing. (laughs) Never experienced it again. (laughs) What did you do to help when you felt such a heaviness and depression, once you, especially after you identified, like you did your research, you identified, okay, I have perinatal mood and anxiety disorder. So how did you move past that? Yeah. Well, I will say like, even just identifying it was huge. Mm. Um, you know, I, because I didn't, I didn't understand what was really going on with me. And I, I didn't know if that, what I was feeling was normal. So when I, realize that, oh, this is a thing that like, you know, certain women experience, it's not normal. You know, it's a, it's a treatable thing. Like that actually made me feel a lot better because it made me, I don't know, feel less guilty about having those emotions. Um, Mm -hmm. because I was, you know, everyone, you know, this is a time you're supposed to be so happy and overjoyed and grateful for carrying a life. And I wasn't feeling any of those things. And then, you know, realizing that I had this, you know, this prenatal depression, like kind of made me feel less guilty about having Mm. the emotions and a little, and, and also gave me a little bit of a sense of control because I was like, okay, now that I know what this is now, I know that there are things that you can do to help. Right. So one of those big things was, um, reaching out to a therapist. Like I, you know, I had moved into a new city like a year before, getting pregnant. Um, I didn't know any, I didn't have any therapists on call in my area. So I, I went and sought help pretty quickly, um, and, and got on a, on a therapist schedule here, uh, in Nashville and, you know, went, went to see her through, throughout my pregnancy. And then, you know, there was a couple things I wasn't doing that I started doing, um, I wasn't because I had been so sick through my pregnancy and I, and I mentioned earlier, I'm somebody who loves going to the gym and it's mostly for my mental health. I'm like a pretty active person. I had stopped. I hadn't been to the gym in weeks. You know, I, I felt so crappy that I wasn't going out. So I started to force myself to become active again. I started forcing myself out to take my little daily, my d- little daily walks outside and getting some fresh air. You know, I've been mm-hmm. sitting on the couch for weeks at a time. Of course, that's, that's not good for anybody's mental health. Right. Um, so I started just doing things like that and, and going to the gym, being active, um, talking with somebody. I mean, once, if it gets really bad, there's options for medication. That was something I did talk to my doctor about. I ultimately decided against it. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's so good to know that there are options when you're feeling that shitty. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Because it can feel like it's just you and feel overwhelming. And totally. you just said the most important thing, like getting help, finding help, having a support system. One other topic I want to bring up, and you've been open about this, so I hope you're okay with me bringing it up, is the discussion of birth trauma awareness. So are you comfortable sharing about your birth trauma experience? Oh yes. And actually I, I wanted to like give you just a quick round of applause because I saw that you've talked about this on your podcast and I love that you're doing that because I, I mean, I just went through this in the last year and there's not much information out there. So I love that you're bringing attention to it. Thank you. No, it's, I think it's important. I think it's not talked about enough. So when I saw that you do talk about it, I'm like, Ooh, let's see if we can, (laughs) let's see if we can go there. (laughs) Totally. 
Totally. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, it was something, I don't, I don't know if you want to start at like the actual story of the wherever birth. Wherever you or, want to start, wherever it works for you. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll talk, I guess, just understanding um, w- what it was. Like I, I went through the first few weeks after having a baby. I was, you know, in postpartum, but I was experiencing I, this very disorienting. I, it was, I, the word I would use is disorienting. I had this disorienting experience that I could not articulate at all. Like I would try and explain it to my husband and like the words weren't there. I was feeling like this huge mix of emotions. Um, I was feeling, I was having these PTSD like flashbacks of my birth. Mm -hmm. Um, I was having trouble sleeping because, and I knew when I was getting ready, you know, uh, anybody listening to this podcast who's had a newborn, you know how excited you are for your bed at the end of the day. You know, you're like, oh my God, I can't wait to crash. I am so physically exhausted. And it would come time for me to get ready for bed and I would start to panic because I was like, I know I'm going to relive my birth again. I knew every time I lay down, um, I was going to be right back to where I was um, in the in the OR. Like I was having very, very detailed and vivid flashbacks. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't know any of this was a thing. Like I would talk to my other, my other mom friends and they would be completely be complaining about breastfeeding and whatnot. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, how bad is it? Like when you can't sleep because you're thinking about the birth and they're like, what, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, it was just something that I was like, nobody is relating to me. I feel really alone in this experience. I couldn't explain it to anyone. And even when I would try to explain it to my husband, I feel like he didn't get it. And, um, it wasn't until I was scrolling, I was literally scrolling on Instagram that I saw a post about birth trauma. Mm -hmm. And I even, I had never even heard the words birth trauma. And as soon as I read that term, I was like, I don't need to know anything else. I know that I have this. Mm -hmm. And, um, that similar to the, the prenatal depression, I'm like, just knowing what it, what, that it's a thing, that it is a thing was, was huge. Like it, it, it really like it, it empowered me to like learn more about what birth trauma is, what it was, um, that there were so many other women that were experiencing this. Um, and then nobody was talking about it. Uh, but at least I knew that I wasn't alone and that, um, again, that there was, there was treatment options. There was things I could do to improve my situation. So did you seek help at that point? Like what was your path once you just discovered the birth trauma? Yeah. Um, again, I, I sought, I sought help at, in a different, a different, um, th- talk therapy. Like I, I had been in talk therapy it, during my pregnancy, which I mentioned, I, I didn't love it to be honest. Like I think of all the things that I did that that kind of helped the least. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, I, I thought it was good. Like I was like, I, I think it's a necessary thing to go and to, you know, make the effort, but it didn't really make me feel better. Like I didn't walk out of those, um, feeling much better. If anything, it kind of like made me feel a little bit sadder because I would usually cry in those, in those, um, yeah, it brings up a lot. It brings up a lot. And, um, it was hard. So when it came time to this, I actually, you know, was talking to somebody here in Nashville that, that recommended somebody who like specifically works on with, with, um, women who experience birth trauma. So I started working with her and, um, so started working with somebody, um, just even like, learning more about birth trauma and understanding Uh about it, like made me feel better. 
Um, yeah. And like understanding the process, I, I did a couple things like writing my birth story out, um, getting it out there and then like rewriting my birth story without any of the emotion attached to it. Like there was like certain exercises like that, that I thought were helpful. Um, you know, she helped me kind of understand like my emotions. And, um, one of the, one of the first things that we did on one of our, one of the first sessions we did, I, I thought was so helpful was she was explaining to me, uh, well, first I'll say, um, that I wasn't just like mental anguish that I was experiencing. Like it, I felt it in my body, you know, like uh, months after giving birth, I still felt like I had been, I was hit by a car like days before, like I was mm-hmm. constantly tense. I had a lot of like muscle spasms happening, like really, really sore all the time, inflammation in my body that wasn't going away. And I was trying all these different modalities, um, working with a body work specialist who was really helpful at this time. And, and when I was working with this, um, birth trauma specialist, she kind of explained to me, she's like, I want you to picture this doorway and you're on one side of the door. And on the other side of the door is this trauma, this, this like monster that's on the other side of the door, who's trying to break through. And she's like, you're doing everything in your power to keep that door shut and not let this thing like overtake your life. She's like, no wonder you're, you're exhausted. No wonder your muscles are so tense. You're fighting for your life against this door. She's like, you need to just open the door and like, let those emotions come through and feel it and um, process it because fighting it isn't doing you any good. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, that was helpful for me in the beginning. I really appreciate you opening about this because it is more prevalent than I think we realize. Um, so I appreciate you getting that out there, especially for those that had it and maybe don't understand what they're feeling. Kind of like you said, you're asking your friends, like, don't you focus on this? And they're like, no. So I think, <laughs> I yeah. think just sharing that with folks, cause they may not know what they're feeling. And then to know that there are ways to move through it. So thank you for your bravery to be like, this is what I experienced. I had it too. It just helped. I think it normalizes it, which is something I think many of us may feel heaviness about, like, why am I having this? So thank you. Yes. I, okay. Oh, sorry. Yeah. What were you saying? Oh, no, I just, I love that. I, I think it needs to be talked about more for sure. Because again, when you're experiencing this and you're so disoriented and you don't even know that what this is, like if the more people talk about it, the more women can identify this earlier on and get the help that they need. Absolutely. Okay. We're going to take another break. And when we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice that you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? We will be right back. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas. Arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Okay, we're back. So what floats to your mind? One tip or piece of advice for new and expectant parents? Whew. Oh, man, that's... That's tough. Um, <laughs> one piece of advice. I let me think for a second. I I think honestly, one of the things that helped us the most was um, getting some like sleep training. I know that word can be triggering sleep training, but like 
we did a little bit of work around, um, getting a schedule in place to help my mm-hmm. son get to sleep quicker. And we followed, we followed the moms on call method pretty religiously. And our baby was sleeping by three months. Um, great. Yeah. And I've, I've talked a lot of my other friends. I mean, I had some other mom friends who just got on me early. They're like, if you don't listen to anything else we say, like, just trust us, do moms on call. And it's one of those things I'm really, really grateful that I did. And I've had other friends that didn't do it and like their babies didn't sleep for months. And I don't know about anybody else, but I am somebody who needs sleep. Um, like really, I am not a, a a happy person to be around. I am not, um, a fun, a fun, uh, hang if you will, when I have not slept. So getting my baby sleeping early was like huge for me. Yeah. We did some sleep. We worked with a sleep consultant and she had a very specific, very gentle plan, but I think it was around maybe around 12-ish, 10 or 12 weeks, probably 12 weeks. And it kind of turned, I think it was 12 weeks, maybe even a little further, turned our whole world around. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you can sleep and now I can step away and I don't have to like rock you or nurse you to sleep and then put you down and crawl away. Like just sleep was a main thing. So I appreciate that. (laughs) I fully support that tip. All right. So where can people find you? Yeah. So, um, my biggest channel is probably on Instagram at big kid problems. And then of course my, my pregnancy and mother, new motherhood podcast is called bottle service with big kid problems. (laughs) You guys can come hang out with me there. I have a bunch of like anybody who's actually pregnant. I always like to make this little tidbit because you kind of have to scroll down in the episodes to find the pregnancy episodes, but they're there. You can find each week of pregnancy. So if you're, you know, 15 weeks, you can find week 15 and go from there. But yeah, those are the main spots. And then I have my personal Instagram, Sarah Merrill underscore Hall. Amazing. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sarah. I really enjoyed getting to know you. It's always fun after seeing somebody, you know, in the social media world, actually talking to them. So it was really fun. I had a great time and thank you for sharing so much. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.